It's all about the sauce. The sauce, the sauce. Boy, come and taste the sauce. The sauce, the sauce. She won't give you junk food. I will give you sauce. Hello, what's a guan? And welcome to Tea and Talk, our podcast for moms where we discuss hot pepper topics, chat with notables, influencers, and share our everyday lives with you each week. We're all native Brooklyn Caribbean American moms living in the suburbs and giving you a dose of how we navigate life in the hood, motherhood, sisterhood, childhood, the neighborhood. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you do, like, share, subscribe, and comment. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to Tea and Talk. It is Tea and Talk time, and we are in the thick of February which is um, Black History Month. And today we're going to learn a little bit of culture. Uh, we are all from the Caribbean or, you know, we're descendants of the Caribbean. And one of the biggest um, cultural, I should say, cultural integrations in the Caribbean is that of Afro and Indo culture. Um, it's something that we have talked about on the show several times. And I wanted to see if we could incorporate that into a conversation. Of course, I am um, African-American and all the all the women on the shore are African-American or Caribbean African-American. So we wanted to bring on some people who are, have more knowledge of it so that we can have a real conversation that's more genuine. So um, before I get started, I want to say hello, hello, hello to our resident tea and talkers. And then I'm going to introduce our guest tonight. A really exciting conversation we're having tonight. So hello, hello, hello to our Jamaican, our proper Jamaican, Watagwan. Watagwan, ladies. How are you? Good. How was your yeah? How was your weekend, love? Exhausting. Oh Lord. <laughs> my what you had going on? My boys had were camping. They had oh. a camping trip in the cold. They slept in cabins, but so it was me and my daughter. So I have I have a boy and a girl, and so it makes it easy. We kind of split off into you know the sexes, and they go off, and then we have had a girls' weekend. That's fun. And hello, hello, hello to Ruth. Sakpase, Sakpase, One week to one. I'm I'm here. If you can hear in the background little giggles, it's because tomorrow is no school, and so everybody's up late, way yes. past their bedtime. Yes, it's a shame. They should make it a law that they have to go to bed at a certain time every night. Every well, mine do the next day. Because yeah, yours are up. Mine don't sleep in, mm. so even in fact they wake up early. Mm. <laughs> so no, I'm like. Worse. Regular bedtime for you because I, I'm, I'm alone with you all day. I don't even get to send you to school. Oh, my God. When I found out about that baseball camp, it changed my life, girl. I found a camp that's like $50. And I just, I'm sending him there tomorrow. So I'm nice. like, I'm, I'm <laughs> I have a free day. I'm so happy. And, um, you know, our Trini Socialite is in Trinidad. Is socializing. So we're going to get to our guests. I want to say... First of all, hello, hello, hello to our guest, Burby. Her name is Neela Ramjitan. Did I say that right, Neela? You did. Hey, guys. Hi. Hi. Neela and I met at Heritage Night two years ago. Um, and two years ago. We both represented Guyana. Ironically, our town doesn't have a lot of, like, minorities. And then we just, they just happen to have more Guyanese than anybody else in this Heritage Night. I don't know how that happened. Uh, and so we had to kind of work together to kind of coordinate the room. So the way Heritage Night works is that everybody comes to the night, they do performances, and then you go to each room and each kid has a passport and they get their passport stamped. 
um, for all the different countries. And it's really cool because our town has like Polish, it has Russian, it has Colombian, Ecuadorian, and then the Caribbean is just Guyana. Guyana, a very small table for Jamaica, you know, which is kind of interesting because usually Jamaica is the dominant one. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, that's where we met. And she is Indian Guyanese or Indo-Guyanese and I am Afro-Guyanese. And that's, I'm talking about our descent. Um, And one day I was talking to her about a book I wrote, I read called The Warmth of Other Suns. And if you know me, you know, I'm going to always share that book because I just thought it was such a beautiful um, depiction and it told the story of the different generations of families that came from slavery and migrated into American culture, just the fabric of American culture. Um, and she was like, well, if you read that book, then you're going to love Of Marriageable Age. And this is by a woman named Sharon Moss and it was beautiful. And I was like, really? She goes, yeah, it tells the story of this Indian family and blah, blah. She, me, she gave me the whole rundown of what the story is and I'm going to let her tell a little bit about what you know, how it meant to her, what, it, what she felt like and how she felt when she read the book. But we actually, I made a phone call and, or I should say a, a Facebook DM and I got in touch with Sharon and Sharon is joining us tonight too. So hello, 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 Sharon. How are you? Hello, I'm fine. Hello. Nice to meet you. Hello. Nice to meet you. And you are calling from Ireland, correct? That's right. Yes. And so Guyanese are taking over tonight. Sharon is somewhat Guyanese and she's going to share a little bit about that too. But Neela, before we start, I want you to share with us your background and tell us about the book and why it meant so much to you. And then we're going to get into Sharon after that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited, Sharon, to be talking to you. I, um, so as Colin mentioned, I'm Guyanese American, Indo-Caribbean, Indo-Guyanese, whatever you want to call it. My parents uh, migrated here with their families in the 60s, 70s, and um, so pretty much my family's been here in the States, New York, New Jersey area uh, for all of my life, and I was born here, but I do have close connections to Guyana, and my husband is Trinidadian, his family is there, Um, but I like to read a lot about like true life stories, things like that. And one thing that I always feel is missing is like the history that my grandparents went through. So my grandfather on my mother's side, his parents came from India. His dad came from India. So we hear a lot of the stories about, you know, their migration. We hear about how they got their land and things like that. But it's like a missing piece of the overall story. If I speak to a lot of my Indian friends who, whose families are from the mainland India, they don't even know the history. Uh, most don't have any idea that that, that indentured servantry happened and et cetera. So when I sometimes I get in this mode, I try to like look up books about the islands and the Caribbean, and I like to read those books. So I ran into Of Marriageable Age, and I read this book when my husband and I were on our 10th anniversary trip last year, and I couldn't put it down. Um, I felt like I was reading my own like mom and grandparents story it was just the the going between the years uh essentially would have been my great grandfather my grandfather and my mom that's how the generations worked in the story and i just loved it i loved it i recommend it to everybody in my family if i could buy it for everybody i do and um so that's you know i really love the book i think it tells such a great story and i can't wait for my kids to be old enough to read it because i think it's a great way for them to just understand um how 
our families had to deal with certain things in Guyana, how the families like immigrated and, you know, either lost their families, et cetera. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's how we got here. I, I think it's an awesome book and I'm, I'm so glad you're doing this. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that's wonderful to hear all that, all that praise. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I, I actually wrote the book because I, I missed stories about my own background about Guyana. So, it's nice to hear people who read it, who appreciate it. Yeah, and I've been listening to it. I got the Audible and I thought, because I'm in the middle of three books, so I figured maybe I listen to it, it'll take, you know, and I'm, I'm getting through it. I think I'm like almost halfway through the book now. I find it quite fascinating, particularly as you start discussing the Afro-Indo kind of like relationships in the mm -hmm. Caribbean, which are complicated. You know, and um, with politics and everything else, it just becomes even more like intriguing to learn more. Um, what I did today was I went online to find out a little bit more about stats about Indo-Guyanese. Because again, like uh, Neela was my second Indo-Guyanese friend, Indo-Caribbean friend overall. I had one friend who was um, Indian and Trinidadian. Um, and other than those two women, I never really, I mean, I knew that the culture was there and I've met and seen people, but we never really, I noticed we never really kind of had like integration, you know, like there were never social settings and stuff where we really got to know each other, even though we all have our own different social environments, we don't really come together that often. I see it changing a lot more now, but growing up, it was always very different, even though we have the same culture, um, Caribbean culture that is. So Sharon, can you, yeah. please, can you please tell us about yourself? Um, what, what drove you to write this about cultural stories? Growing up reading these books, which only had white children eating strawberries and cream and, and, and you know, not being, <laughs> never, never seeing myself reflected or my own experiences reflected in books. And I was a voracious reader. I loved, you know, I would just read books without, you know, without stop and curl up in a, in a corner and just read books. And, um, but they were always about people who I didn't, who were from a culture totally foreign to me. And um, I mean, I, I still love them, but I wanted to, um, I had this urge to write something that was closer to my own experience, which is why I began writing at all, writing fiction at all. But I was quite old by the time I started writing. So it, was, it took a long time. How old were you when you started writing? I started writing fiction when I was in my mid forties. Oh, okay. That's yeah. not old. Well, just getting <laughs> well, started. For 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 a, for a novelist, it is quite old. Most people, most mm -hmm. novelists, start when they're in their twenties and their thirties. Oh. Okay. But I start in your forties to write your first novel in your late forties. I think it's 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 a little bit unusual. Mm, okay. um, I see oh. lots of um, lots of the, my co-authors and my publisher. They're all in their thirties right now. Or, whatever. So I was quite, I, I, I felt old. I felt, uh, I felt I was, you know, approaching 50 now. So time to get on with it. That's just a deeper story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I, think I, I had no confidence before that, that I could write stories. You know, I just thought you have to have a certain education, you have to have a certain academic background, which I didn't have. Yeah, which is not so, the case. Some of the best authors are like self-made. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Sharon, when you wrote the book, uh, when it was marketed, was it something marketed and targeted towards the Caribbean or England, no. Ireland, or there's just no, there's no real market? The market was um, was uh, the UK. It was a UK. Oh, got it. It was an English publisher, HarperCollins, and it was published in the UK only. It wasn't even published in in America at the time, um, because there was a separate, you know, this it a, it's a separate market, UK and US. So the yeah. only reason you can get it in the US now is because I, I, I you know, that was um, it was first published in in 1999. So that's more than 20 years ago. And then it went yeah. out of print, went out of print, and then um, this new publisher, Bookature, took it up again and republished it. And that's mm -hmm. the only reason you can get it now in America. And I was looking up which countries had the most Indian um, populations. And number one was Trinidad. Uh, number two was Guyana. And I always thought num Guyana was number one, but actually Guyana is number two. And number three, oddly enough, of Caribbean Indians is America. Did, did anybody know that? I didn't know that. That makes, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I never really, I didn't realize it. Um, again, like, I know that Guyana has a lot of Indian population, but again, I just didn't know to what extent. But I know that whenever somebody meets me, they're like, oh, a couple of people have met me and been like, oh, you're Guyanese? Well, you look black. And I'm like, yeah, well, there are black people in Guyana too. I always thought it's Indian. I'm like, no, it's not just Indians. There's black people there too, you know? My friend who's Guyanese, Colette, she's black. Yeah. She's black. Mm -hmm. I know lots of black Guyanese, but for some reason, most people associate Guyana with Indians, um, which is interesting. I mean, I might have Indians somewhere. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. I, I, but, think, uh, it, it, I think it depends um, because I know when I was in high school, there was my black friend who was Guyanese and there was me that was Guyanese and depending if they met her first or met me first they would tell us the opposite like you can't be Guyanese you're not black and I'm like yeah. what and they would tell her you can't be Guyanese you're not Indian so I think it just <laughs> depends on who you met first yeah. I guess that's true you know what's yeah. also interesting about the culture too is that there's certain things that people just don't like again I want to make sure I get it right one of the reasons why is because a lot of people don't understand certain um, just little nuances. I remember one time calling, and I told this to Neela the other day, my Trinidadian friend that I knew when I was in my 20s, I remember seeing her and greeting her, and I thought I was saying a term of endearment by calling her the C word, not knowing that that was a bad word. Um, oh. Yeah, and then later on, I asked my mom, I said, she was really upset with me when I used that word. My mother was like, well, why'd you do that? I said, well, is that a bad word? She goes, of course it is. I'm like, but you never told me that, mommy. You used it all over the house. You know, like she used, she used it all the time. I had no idea. And I have aunts that were mixed. And, you know, they used it like it was just a word. But, you know, what I find is that like in our culture, if you say anything in black culture, if you say anything that's a bad word, anything close to like the N word, people get offended. Yeah but, like, yeah, but it's more of a, you're more aware of it. I had no idea. I would never have done that had I known, you know, but then like some people say there's nothing wrong with using the word. So, but I will never use it again. <laughs> Let's make that my clear. parents, my parents used it in the house all the time, but yeah. they always, they always said it in like the same, ex like a hushed tone. Yeah. And so I just instinctively knew. Oh, see my mother, she was just so no filter. 
<laughs> she was filter free, still is. Well, it's a little, yeah. uh, it's a little different in Jamaica. Is it? Uh, yeah, it's mm. uh, it is. It's 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 a little different. I okay. I just uh, you know like I. But again, my parents did use that word in my house. Mm. So Sharon, what can you share with us in this? Give us some insight, Neela and Sharon. I would love to hear. I mean, I've talked yeah. to Neela about it before, <laughs> but you know, yeah. I, I am I am. Um, I'm of mixed race um, background. My, my, all of my family, they're all like brown. I had a, I think I had a, a, an English grandfather or something like that. I never met him though, but we're all like very, very, very much mixed race, but, but black and white and a little bit of Amerindian as well. Oh, so okay. that's, my, that's my background. Um, I grew up, I was born in, in the early 50s. So I grew up, I was a child in the 50s and the 60s and, and I was a teenager in the 60s. So um, that was a time, it was a very, it was a time when people, when Guyana was beginning to strive for independence and it was all very political and it was, it was like, it was like blacks and Indians were like turning, turning away from each other. Yeah. And we had two, political leaders, a black one, it was Mr. Burnham, Burnham mm -hmm. and then Chetty Jagan. Yes, and Chetty Jagan was the Indian. Mm. So people kind of like coalesced towards one of the others. So it was all like being torn apart mm. when I was in the, like in the early 60s. That was when that was the most um, volatile time. But in your book, you mentioned like, the volatility between the two, like the tension between yes, the two exactly, cultures, yes. even earlier than that. Was it even earlier than that, or did it happen yeah, around it, that time? It, there was a whole, the whole history of it was that the blacks were slaves, became as slaves, mm -hmm. and then there was emancipation. And to fill in the, 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 the void left by the slaves, they brought in Indians. Mm. So it, the blacks kind of, they went to the cities, they wanted to get away from the cane fields, they wanted nothing to do with agriculture anymore. More. And the Indians, they came just to do agriculture, to do yeah, sugarcane farming, sugarcane, they came as laborers. Mm -hmm. And so there was this, um, this really look black saying, oh, yes, we, we have finished with that. And the Indians were, they were laborers in the country. They were rice farmers. And so they were kind of lower, lower class, you'd say. And the blacks were more white color. Mm. And blacks were also... It meant intermingling with whites. They were they were marrying. Well, white white men were marrying black women, or or not not so much the other way around. So mm. there was a lot of mixed race coming into it as well, and that mm. was my background, this mixed race background. And it, and you see, and I have a you know a bit of a family tree written down, and you hear that this uh, this and that white person, mostly they were Dutch people, married. Um, a freed slave, a freed woman of from the plantation. So you you ha, you, you could really see how it was happening. If you wow. read this family, it's quite interesting. Yes, very interesting. About, yes, and then she was a, she was a, a freed mixed race woman. Things like that, you know. So you really yeah. get the sense of. And at the same time, the Indians they were laborers, and they were like really at the bottom on the bottom strata of of. Of the, of, the, of the culture, whereas mm. blacks were striving for white collar work. Mm. Many of them, of course, there were a lot of them were, were, were unskilled workers as well. Yeah, they yeah, I was going to say they came as yes, slaves. So. Yes, 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 of course. Yeah. But um, 
to, to move upwards, you wanted to, to go to a white collar job. You, of course, you couldn't get to the, to the very top because that was occupied by the whites, but you wanted to have a, a job as a clerk and you wanted, you know, you wanted to, to, to work in a shop not, mm. and nothing to do with agriculture anymore. Mm. So that was I have, my, I, have a, I have a quick question regarding the Indians that did come over to replace the Africans. Were they of lighter or of darker skin tone? Because that can also have been. Yes. Okay. They were. Um, they were from mostly from the northern states of India, which are just like brown colored. The very dark Indians are in the south of India. The Dravidians. They are in like Tamil Nadu. They're, they're they're very very dark. They're almost black. So they didn't come. It was mostly from the um, northern, like around Calcutta, that area, I think. That's okay. they so they were like light colored, not light colored brown, but like just normal brown, I'd say. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I think it. I, I think it depends because I think over the years some may co- may have come from a little more south. So, like for example, my husband's family in Trinidad, some of them are very dark, and yeah. you know, even my husband can get mistaken oh, for yeah. being um, African American by some who don't know. But uh, it, so it dep- I think it depends. Over the years, um, yeah. you know, yeah. who, who came over. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, to, to mix things up, my, my family, my, my father, my father had uh, many brothers. And there were eight brothers. So, uh, and they were, off, they were very political, some of these brothers. My father and one of his brothers, was, they were very, very left to being political, struggling for independence. And so they, they went um, against, the, against the grain. They went to the Indian leader, who was uh, who was a Marxist. This was this Chetty Jagan, who whose parents were also absolute poor Indian laborers, and mm. who grew up in, in a laborer in a, the laborer class, and he who saw the suffering of these laborers, these Indian laborers, these indentured servant, servants, and he managed to escape that. This is I'm talking about Chetty Jagan now. Yeah. And he went to America and he got an, uh, you know, an American wife, a white American wife, and came back to work to, um, to free these laborers. And so he, and he was really passionate about that and really genuine as well, genuinely wanting to help them as well as his wife. Mm. And so my, my father and his brother, they both joined his party and they both were, they recognized him as, as, the, lead, as the, the rightful leader. And he was, you know, that this was these. This was an Indian. This was known as the Indian Party because it was the Indian laborers who were mostly following this. And what was the name of the opposing party? I forget the name of the opposing party. Forbes Burnham. Yeah. What was it called? The Freedom Party. No, the People People People's Progressive Party. People Progressives Party. Yes, that was the name of his party. Right. 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 Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, You know. Ruth, you had asked a question earlier, and I wanted to ask you about Haiti, because that's one island that didn't come up here, one country, I should say. And I wanted to know, what is your reference to Indo-Caribbean culture, if any, in Haiti? Well, you know, Haiti, from what, I, from what I've seen and what I've known, Haiti, we've always had our little issues. I think um, when it comes to people coming over, it's more Europeans than it is anything else. And that's because they just wanted to come in and take as much as they can from the land. So um, Indians being people who are laborers, 
it wouldn't be necessary for them to come to Haiti because there were so many laborers there, Haitians, you had Dominicans, you had um, indigenous people. So the only people that really came to Haiti were those people looking to profit off of it, not mm. laborers. So we don't have that long history of Indians in the country. Um, growing up, I would never have known a person was Indian or black or anything like that. We would just be like Chevet Swab, somebody with soft hair. And you could look to us like you're, you know, you could be a Haitian person with some Dominican or some indigenous descent. But we wouldn't know if you were Guyanese or Trinidadian or anything like that. It wasn't mm. until I started asking, hey, what are you? And they'll be like, no, I'm Indian Guyanese, or I'm Indian Trini or black Guyanese or black Trini. So it was never something that we in Haiti had to deal with, but it's something that we have to deal with now in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Especially because it's the third largest population of um of Indian culture. Caribbean I would have culture. to say this with my husband being from Barbados, his people from Barbasians, he said that right now there is a big swing of Indians from India coming to Barbados and it's also for commerce. And what part of big, India? Do you know what part? I don't know what part, but he says like there's a bunch of them coming in and you know they're buying up property, building up um, buildings and building up businesses. And he says, you know, it's good because it's helping commerce come to Barbados, but it's just like a big shakeup to them. They're a little bit nervous because it's, it's been dominated by so many African Blacks that now they have like this big surge of Indian and Indian Black coming in, so. Mm. It's all about the sauce. The sauce, the sauce. Boy, come and taste the sauce. The sauce, the sauce. 